just offer a few follow-up commentary on the article I did publish, which is called October 7th, The Fog Begins to Clear. And I just published that article and the associated podcast episode, which I did a read-through of it about a day ago. I'm going to be doing a series on the Middle East. So I did this article specifically to set the stage for other topics that we're going to go into. And my goal was to move beyond some of the uh, kind of generic talking points about the conflict and to go into uh, a little bit of 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 the nuance about what actually happened on that day. And I think the nuance is important because it starts to factor in the idea that there's uh, maybe a hidden interest behind this and more specifically U.S. imperial interests, deep state interests, and that maybe these are using the Israeli state as a means to accomplish a larger goal. So I don't think anything that happened here is happening by complete surprise. And there's lots of reasons to come to that conclusion. And that will become clear when you look at the larger geopolitical context the war on Ukraine also serves as a, some context to this because we can see a situation in which U.S. interests are deliberately manipulating the leadership of a country in order to exert its own larger geopolitical scheme. So it's obvious that the Ukraine war is driven by outside interests and that Zelensky is the Pentagon's or CIA or whatever. It's, it's their asset. It's, that's their man that they are, have put into place and they're using him to fulfill their larger goal and sacrificing Ukraine in order to do so. And I feel the same way about Israel, ultimately, that Netanyahu is the U.S.'s guy. That's their sort of tyrant that they've put into that uh, position, and they're using him to play out a larger scheme. Uh, But both in the case of Zelensky and in the case of Netanyahu, you know, they have their own motivations. And and so the ruling party of Israel has their own ideology that motivates them to participate and play their role in this agenda. But ultimately, they're just, for the U.S., for the Pentagon, they're just a piece on the chessboard. And so in Israel's eyes, they may be pursuing a plan for a larger reset of Israeli territory and power in the region. But at the same time, from the U.S.'s standpoint, the U.S. deep state, that could be a plan that was never intended to succeed, that they have their own interests in resetting relations with the Arabic world. And maybe the sacrifice of Israel is part of that larger shift. So Israel was crucial to U.S. foreign policy for such a long time because of the petrodollar. But in an age when the, the dollar system is now on the cusp of being replaced by a digital dollar and I think we're on the cusp of an energy revolution, if we're setting the stage for an energy revolution and a revolution in governance and a revolution in finance, there is not a need necessarily for the U.S. to maintain the same type of relationship with Israel that it used to. And there might not be a need to keep Israel as a type of uh, poison pill in the region to facilitate destabilization because the the value of the destabilization was always in the context of the petrodollar and the need to manage and control the energy uh the sort of oil-based energy economy so these are some of the things that are playing out and just regarding the the in-depth piece on october 7th there's there was some controversy uh a little bit in my comment section on the Substack. you know a lot of people pushing back on the idea that i would kind of dismissed some of the more 
flagrant atrocities that were attributed to Hamas on October 7th. So I want to comment a little bit about, about that. You know, my ultimate feeling is that the October 7th attack was uh, kind of like a 9-11-esque engineered situation. So it's pretty clear that Israel, Israeli defense and intelligence had foreknowledge and deliberately did nothing to allow this attack to take place. But I think they did more than that. I think they had their agents, particularly the Mossad or whatever, had agents in Gaza, as we know that they do have intelligence assets and have always managed Hamas from a strategic standpoint. So it's clear that not only did they let the attack happen and and maybe even compromise their army's ability to fend it off in terms of they wanted it to proceed to a certain level of uh, extremeness because that then would be the the reason to and the justification to allow them to do the counter response which was part of this larger u.s israeli new middle east campaign but like i was saying before it might be that the u.s is playing part in this but has ultimately is going to abandon israel because at the end of the day a lot of people talk about israel's influence on the u.s and the role of their lobbying industry but uh, you know at the end of the day the u.s is not dependent on israel israel is dependent on the u.s and the u.s does have a clear need to maintain Israel when it's maintaining this petrodollar paradigm. But if that is ending, it has no longer the need necessarily to keep Israel as it is. So Israel could be sacrificed in a, in a similar way to Ukraine. It really depends on what the plans are of and the grand strategy is of the U.S. But the U.S. is, is the global empire. So Israel is not the empire. Israel is the vassal state of this empire. We have to understand that. Again, the U.S. is the dominant hegemon, it's the global power, and Israel is the vassal state. And so the the global empire is free to use that vassal state as it wills. And so we don't know necessarily what its will is, but we know that we have this great reset and all these, this grand reshuffling going on. And so it's not clear that the, the long-term plan is to keep Israel in play in the same way that it has been for the past uh, 70 years or so. So that's that's my view. So in my recent article on October 7th, uh, one of the th reasons I wanted to go into the nuance of the attack and the counter-response and all of that was to demonstrate that it seemed like there was a ready-made propaganda initiative in place from the moment the attacks first took place. And we, and we can point to all kinds of accusations coming out almost immediately that were very extreme that have since been debunked. Now, just because extreme things were debunked doesn't mean that certain atrocities didn't happen during the attack. But one of the points I try to make in the article that there were clear objectives from Hamas's standpoint why they would want to to do this attack. But the militants who came in, they were not all Hamas. But there were many atrocities were performed. But it's it's not necessarily true to to attribute all of that to Hamas, which is the government. There's also the PIJ, which is a more extreme and militant than Hamas's. And then there's also a bunch of unaffiliated militants and armed individuals who are doing their own kind of vigilante thing. And so it was almost like chaos. And one of the things that a lot of people have pointed out is that when these forces streamed in, they didn't expect to find so little resistance. And I think that's especially true with the other factions, the kind of unaffiliated groups who kind of streamed in and, and had unprecedented access to Israel to do kind of what they wanted for a brief period of time. And so I almost feel like that situation is part of the engineered operation because they gave these militants 
all kinds of opportunities to do whatever they wanted to express their hatred and anger towards Israeli citizens and soldiers and whoever they found. So there, there were actually were atrocities that were performed that day. And so we have to consider when we look at some of the things that were documented and we look at, again, and compare them with the stated objectives of the Hamas mission that they originally planned, they don't align. So the idea of performing atrocities that were horrifying would be against the objective of overcoming the status quo, so to speak, uh, of this Palestine-Gaza subjugation and to turn world opinion towards the favor of the, the plight of the Gazans. So if you're going out there and performing atrocities, then you're you're sort of setting yourself up for Israeli propaganda to show that, oh, these people are savages. You know, that's why we need to cleanse them and all that. And so it's almost like these undisciplined acts were almost allowed, in a sense, by this lack of immediate Israeli counter to what was going on for hours and hours. You gave these insurgents time to perform their own atrocities. And at the same time, you had your own ready-made propaganda situation in place to make up atrocities that never even happened. And so you combine those two and you get a powerful motion, propaganda motion, to sell the Israeli public and sell the international community on your planned counterattack in Gaza. The, uh, the bombing campaign and now the invasion and the idea of cleansing the Gaza and making it unlivable, basically cleansing the population out and then you have this Gaza region now available for Israel to use as it wishes including uh, for possible natural gas drilling and and a, a potential Suez Canal alternative so there's many geostrategic reasons why Israel would have an interest in, in doing the things that it's doing and you know, the 10-7 attacks set the stage for all this. So my feeling is that Hamas was lured into this uh, situation almost because it was clear that Israel knew about this and so they made the plans to use this situation to their advantage and they let, uh, to a degree, these invading militants, you know, get their few hours of fun or, you know, to express whatever they needed to express in terms of atrocities, these armed militants. And then they were all ready and set to use that against them to justify this bombing campaign and this, this sort of cleansing operation in Gaza. So that's my feeling about the attacks. And that's why I wrote the article. Uh, and then also to, I wanted to rectify some of my initial comments when I couldn't, I didn't understand initially what the objectives possibly could have been for, to this Hamas mission, this raid. Cause it's, cause it seemed as if, it was purely to perform atrocities. Well, now we're getting a different view of, of how many actually died uh, by the hands of these terrorists. And it's important to point out that many of the Israeli civilians were killed by their own forces. So Israel killed many of its own people. And it was truly chaos. So I, I wanted to delve into all of that stuff in this uh, most recent episodes. But I just want to take some time to add some further commentary to the article and why I wrote it. And check back soon. I'll have more analysis coming your way.